Hey, Chuck. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So for our listeners out there who listen to all our other podcasts in the BearCast Network, and Chuck, that's my um, podcasting network of now two shows, your show number two. All um, right. Uh, what we're going to do in this podcast is we're going to go over a, a book that uh, my friend Chuck Grovenstein has written called Two Month Jumpstart, and it's 61 cards about lessons learned from his life and teaching. And I just, I've known Chuck for 20 years, I find him to be an absolutely fascinating person. And when I read his book, when he sent it to me, my first thought was, we got to record this because unless you actually hear Chuck Grovenstein tell a story or have a voice to match it to it, it you don't get the full effect of these cards. Um, so Chuck, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'll say this. I, I met Chuck in, uh, I think it was probably 2000. We were um, rival soccer coaches in middle school in Coweta County, Georgia. Uh, but uh, as, as most people know, know Chuck Grovenstein. If you shake his hand, you know him for about 25 years. So, uh, Chuck, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow, there's no pressure now, is there? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, fascinating? I've got to try to be fascinating, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really love Steve. We, um, I, I learned to respect him through a lot of the times that we were coaching against each other. And, uh, you know, when you grow to love someone that you're coaching against and, you know, we had some really competitive events and, uh, yeah, really, really, uh, really learned to appreciate and respect him and, and think the world of him. And then we got a chance to coach together and that's when things really skyrocketed because we had so much fun, uh, doing that and had some good teams that always makes, makes for good, uh, times when you got some talent on the team. Absolutely. So, those are the highlights, uh, definitely, of my 22 years of teaching. Those, those four years coaching together were a, a definite highlight. Loved it. Oh, man, yeah. So many, so many good times. I think we would have had fun even if we weren't winning, but uh, the winning was kind of the icing on the cake, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we don't want to brag, but we, we may have won 20 straight games. <laughs> I, I believe that we had one team one season uh, in the probably, let me think about this, I think it was the O two O three school year. That was the team where I don't think anyone even had a shot on goal. Well, that uh, was always, our, yeah, that was always our goal going into every game. And we're not bragging about our coaching. These were no, just, those kids were amazing. They were loaded. We were loaded those years. Yeah, yeah. Every time I coached a team with that much talent, I started feeling really smart. But there were enough seasons mixed in where I had no clue what to do because I just didn't have the <laughs> athletes out there to do you know to execute so yeah and, and there is you do get humbled quick and there's also there is something to you know no matter how good your team is if you don't know how to manage your team they can be the best players in the world um but if you don't manage them correctly it'll be a disaster so good good yeah, lessons learned there too yeah that's true we dodged a few little bullets occasionally didn't we <laughs> we did Chuck tended to like to keep about uh, 25 kids in the soccer team, and my number was more about 13. Oh, every person that was ever an assistant coach with me or worked with me would always start begging early during tryouts to please don't keep many because you really can't. You, I found out I didn't know much about soccer until I started coaching it. and uh, You really can't hide one single player. You'd think with, you know uh, – the goalie plus 10 other people running around out there, you'd think you could hide one weak player and you just couldn't. So, no, close you can't. Game, it's, it, yeah. In a close okay, game, yeah, 
hard to sub, you know. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and where, and where you hide one, uh, you sacri- you're going to sacrifice offense. You're going to sacrifice defense, and yeah. then it gets the whole thing out of whack. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Chuck, tell us about a little bit about um, just your teaching. How many years you uh, were a teacher? Kind of where you grew up? How you came to this point where you wrote this book? called Two Month Jumpstart. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, for two years in a kind of an elementary school and then another uh, learning disability setting and, and felt so convinced that I was a complete failure that I actually got out of teaching for a year. I did. and um, I didn't know that. Yeah, got out of teaching for a year. Just didn't think that was what I was meant to do. Last two years, there were some good months. Overall, it would have to be ruled as a failure. So uh, anyway, some things happened and some wheels started turning and uh, a job opened up. And uh, if there there were ever a job that highlighted all of my strengths and and downplayed, that was it. I was just like uh, in Georgia and also, you know, the town I grew up in and and all of that. It just I, I just fit perfectly into this situation and the things that that it required me to do were things that I kind of did naturally well and the things that I didn't didn't do well it just didn't seem to expose those very much so I had 33 wonderful years at Evans Middle School and uh, you know teaching and coaching and uh, the idea for the book I, I really about midway through my career I really tried to juice up my teaching in terms of making it more interesting and exciting. I actually saw a TV show that was featuring all these great teachers that, that seemed to make everything. And I came up with these, these, this series of, uh, I guess I called it the essential 33, I think it was called. But anyway, we just had all kinds of hand motions. And by the end of about a two week segment, all the kids I could, I could say, ready, go, and start my stopwatch, and the kids would scream out 31 main points that I had been trying to get across to them, and uh, we would time it and it just amazingly fast because the, the hand motions kind of went one into the other uh, kind uh-huh. of in a sequence. So we had a lot of fun doing that, and it was a way to teach, but it was mainly just kind of a – in my – life and the things that have worked for me to make me a happy and successful person and the things that I've observed in others. When I see somebody that's successful, it's, it's always interesting to me. So I, I really feel like I've learned a lot through the years just by uh, observing. I think Yogi Berra said one time, you can see a lot by observing. Isn't that one of his famous that weird quotes? But um, and for, for me personally, that's, you know, when I, when I met Chuck, I would, I was very early. I was think I was in my second year of teaching when I actually met Chuck, and and I, I modeled most of my career after that based on the way he interacted with with the the players that he had, just because it was such a uh, interaction with such ease and of of respect, and uh, it just didn't seem nothing seemed to phase him. So, from me observing you, I learned quite a bit. Well, I'm flattered to hear it. I really am. I'm, I don't really thinking back. I really can't think of anything that great that you would have observed. Would have observed, but uh, if you did, I I appreciate it and I I love it. I appreciate that very much, man. So you want? Okay, I'll continue. 
after I retired, I was just kind of bursting to try to express some of the stuff that I felt like, you know, listening to and worth, worth uh, understanding. I felt like I had something. Anyway, in the process of writing, a lot of uh, friends uh, read it and made comments and all. And, and uh, the final product of all of the work was uh, called the two-month jump start because uh, I ended up with 61 main points. And, uh, you know, I know uh, one of my uh, buddies that read it, you know, felt like it was way too long. So, you know, I apologize. But uh, he did come up with a good idea with the length of it. The, having 61 points and uh and the kind of, the idea that we had was to to have my readers to write out 61 index cards with one main point on each and that that adds up to uh two months you know if, if you're if you started in august uh, 31 days in august and 30 in september so you know consecutive months it would work out to the that exact amount and of course right cover more than one, one per day and some people might mull over one for 10 days you know it doesn't matter but it, i was hoping it was kind of a catchy way to maybe get people's attention and i think 61 days is not not too much to expect from somebody to have a little kind of a thought for the day for 61 days and no that's, you know, that's a good it's a good number and and, and i've read the I read the full draft manuscript, however you want to call it, which the original had like a hundred cards, was it? Or ninety-nine? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. I condensed some and and worked and you know, once I came up with that idea of the two month, then I, you know, kind of tried to pare it down a little bit. But it's 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 not when I say the book is too long, I, I shouldn't say that because it's not really I don't know how many pages it'll work out to be when it actually gets in a actual book form but it's not it's not unbearable by any means right and so for context just in case you know this is uh the far-reaching podcast chuck just in case anyone out there is listening this is not from noonan georgia um oh Coweta. okay noonan is in Coweta county georgia um and it's a um it's a small town that's grown into a much bigger town um much much smaller where chuck was growing up there in the i guess 60s 50s 60s and 70s I guess in that oh, range. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's a great place. It's a it's a wonderful town. It's a wonderful county that's very unique. That it's although it's not far from Metro Atlanta, it still has its own identity, its own people, uh, and it's really just. I lived there for 16 years of my life, and uh, that's where I tell people I'm from because it's such a it's a wonderful place to be. So Chuck, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, read us that first card and tell us a little bit about it? All right. Um, card number one was put last things first and subtitle work toward inevitable success. I think one of the most discouraging things is to, uh, try to force yourself to work hard when you have those nagging thoughts that maybe, maybe you won't be successful. So if you put last things first, you know, that, that means that you're, you're seeing the, the ultimate finish line and, and, uh, working your way backwards to, to get started toward that. But uh, my writing, I'll, I'll just read straight from the text for, for a moment. Okay. With all due respect to popcorn, bacon, new car, baby's heads, vanilla, puppy's breath, coffee, and, and other wonderful scents, 
the best aroma is the smell of a finish line. When we near the resolution to a tough problem or see a clean way out of a bad situation, we're sometimes electrified with the energy and focus to get across that line. Uh, I know in my, my road races, and Steve's humble, but he's put, put down some really uh, impressive times on, on some of the 5Ks and uh, uh, 10Ks also, right, Steve? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But um, anyway, uh, you know, when you see that finish line way on in the distance, it, it really gives you a, a, an extra sense of adrenaline. So getting back to the text, I hope all of us live long happy lives. And the last thing that some of you are thinking about now is the end. Sounds ominous, doesn't it? But even my youngest readers need to take a glimpse at the big picture story that they're trying to experience. If you've ever, um, you know, uh, uh, finished a, a race, you, you know, the complete ecstasy of, of being finished and feeling that you did a good job. So, if a run is demanding, the motivation for pushing through it is to know how wonderful you are going to feel when you finish. Most of the sports I've played since high school are competitions against a specific score or time. So I can be almost sure that I'm going to win if I do certain things. This is even more important in life than it is in sports. If you knew that your entire life, or let's, let's, let me back up and say that a little more slowly. If you knew that your entire life story was going to have a happy ending, wouldn't it help you to calm down during the tough moments and fully be able to live in the moment? If you, knew that you, if you knew that you were going to be successful in the ultimate end. Um, I, I even heard about somebody, Steve, that read the final pages of books before going to page one. Now, I don't recommend that for everybody. And some people, some people feel like that would spoil it. You know, you even got the term spoiler alert, but a lot of us like watching our favorite movie more than once, because we, if, if the movie has some adversity in it, at least we know it's going to come out in the end. So I think we improve the way we approach life. If we believe that we have all the big stuff kind of, nailed down in place already and uh i believe when we can get to a good place with the important issues it helps us with the present day moments so i had four main points and um here's what i said about putting last things first number one was to know and identify the basics of what you believe you know i, I know some of us may have beliefs that are gonna uh are gonna evolve and and change to some extent but but if we know the basics of what we believe, and then number two, after we know what we believe, we need to emphatically make our behavior fit our beliefs. If we're not living the way, if, if our lifestyle and our behavior is not matching our belief system, then I, I just think everything's going to be out of focus and out of whack. So number two is to emphatically make your behavior fit your beliefs. Number three is to, to groom and maintain a clear conscience and good relationships. I, I personally, I, maybe I'm idealistic, but I just don't think a person can enjoy life very much if they don't have a, a reasonably clear conscience and if they're not on good terms with everyone, to, you know, to the best of their ability. And then number four is do everything in your power to keep the following statement entirely true. I'm going to read this statement and, and challenge my listeners and readers to, 
see if they can stay in this uh, situation. If I die today, or if I die in a hundred years, the story of my life is going to be whole, complete, and beautiful. And I think if I can believe that day by day, that that um, whatever happens, it's going to ultimately be a complete, beautiful story. Then, then I think we can enjoy life. I think we can live in the moment. I like that thought. Uh-huh. And I feel that way. I feel that way now. Having, okay. having having ended my teaching career yeah. and places I'm headed next. Yeah, if I die today or 100 years, the story of my life will be whole, complete. I would agree with that. All right. Great wife, great family. No complaints. That's I love it. Absolutely. So was, was that the end of the card, Chuck? Um, that's, yeah, that's the gist of it. The, just, just, just staying in that situation where you're not going to do anything to, to jeopardize that peace of mind. You're not going to uh, muddy up your conscience and you're just, just working towards a happy ending. I mean, you know, uh, we're, not really- in control. we're not in control of, you know, what happens to us. Of course, that's a tremendously cliche statement, but, <laughs> but if we know if we respond correctly, there's nothing that anyone else can do to ruin our life story because everything that happens can be part of the, you know, big picture good that you're trying to accomplish. So that's right. I like how each one of those, um, those four parts really are connected with each other, right? To, you know, starting with the basics, know, mm-hmm. know and identify the basic of your beliefs and then making your behavior fit that. And then really important too is groom, maintain clear conscience and relationships. And I think that's, I think people don't, uh, you talk about a clear conscience, but just just maintaining relationships is so important over time. Absolutely. Hello. Yeah, got a phone call in the middle of that. Um, oh, sorry. So that's okay. Now, knowing, knowing my mom, she'll call back seven times uh, <laughs> consecutively. Uh, I'll just keep it in the door, but um, now I, I just think that. It, maintaining relationships is so important um that yeah. i do think that the sum of one two and three or the the parts of one two and three equal to the sum of four uh in, in your card number one wow yeah well i appreciate it man yeah i think for me like i just you know um you know i i knew the basics of my beliefs but i always didn't make my behavior fit those necessarily when i was younger Especially yeah when you're 20 i talked to a a a college student about this last week when she was struggling with uh, her relationship with, with, with God and Jesus. And I said, you know, it's like, it's like when you get to college, you get there and you just kind of check your, check your beliefs at the front counter and you say, you'll pick them up in four years. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and I was saying, I was telling her, I was like, I did that. You don't have to do that. I don't know why we think we have to like set them aside and then just pick them up later. And then that's okay. Um, because then your behavior doesn't fit that. And then, you know, you, you don't have a clear conscience and you're yeah. not, you're not filming the right relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is there, um, do you have any kind of story specific to how you came up with those four things or that first card or was this just, just like a, uh, I, a whole life experience? I don't want to, I don't want to say I ripped too much off of, uh, I, I used to teach my students some of those um, 
what was it? Seven fat, uh, seven habits of highly effective people, you know, my, but my dad loved that book. Covey, Stephen Covey, I believe was his name. And, uh, he said, start with the end, you know, start with the end in mind. And, and I promise you my 61 points are not, not anywhere. Uh, you know, uh, uh, it's a conglomeration of things I've learned from a thousand. No, no, right. I don't think it's a ripoff of any, any one person, you know, but, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, you've heard that kind of a corny thing, but you've heard of people saying to write your own funeral now, you know, and, right. and you know, Steve Kalink was a, uh, you know, did so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're wanting to, you know, you're wanting to orchestrate how people think of you and what you accomplished. What did you, uh, you know, what did you do in life? But, but, you know, the clear conscience is just, is, is just inevitable that you're, you're just uh, sabotaging your own life when you don't have a clear conscience. Um, I remember reading about a person who mailed a check to a, a department store and it came to, came to find out that they had broken something on the shelf, you know, on one of the shelves 20 years ago and worried about it for 20 years and finally sent a check to pay for it. And the, you know, the, the crazy thing about it, but we're all guilty of it is, you know, the value, the, the effort it takes to clear your conscience is always worth it. I mean, it would have been really good for that person to have written that check 20 years before they did, instead of worrying about it all those years, you know? So, uh, I've got a, good, yeah. a, friend, a friend of mine called me sometime in the last year. We, we got into a, one of my best friends. I won't say his name. We got into a, a physical fight. We were in sixth grade. Wow. And uh, we didn't talk for almost two years. And uh, sometime in eighth grade, we just naturally came back together. Uh, wow. And we've been best friends ever since. But uh, he called me last year. To apologize for that and he said this has been weighing on me for over 30 years wow and, and yeah. i said to him i was like i i said i thank you for this call because so much what you've expressed to me was exactly what i went through during that time uh, how how it was just a, a something that that had nothing to do with either of us uh, uh-huh. and we both wanted to apologize for it and when we finally did, it was just, it lifted a huge burden that didn't need to sit there for that long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever regretted any effort I made to clean up or groom my conscience or clear up something, or I, I just don't think I've ever regretted that. And, you know, there, there are times when you try to make peace with someone and, and it's not, not successful and it's not all warm and fuzzy, but, but I'm telling you, it, you, you, you take some, consolation in the fact that you did make that effort you know and you know you don't want to you don't want to say this too quickly but at some point it really does become their problem if you've if you feel like you've done everything within reason you know right yeah very very important clear conscience is huge well great i think uh check that'll be a good place for us to stop um for for this episode um which I'd like to get into. I'd like to do a second episode, and we're going to keep going through and get through all sixty-one of these cards. Uh, wow! Because I, I think they're great. I would love to. I'm hoping we can see this all the way through the end, all sixty-one cards, because I think that would be an amazing thing to see how it how it changed from uh, 
I can see us starting off with 23 minutes, and by the end, we're getting to the last card. We're talking for 90 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, so I appreciate it, man, and I appreciate you having faith in me enough to to feel like this would be worthwhile. I really do. Absolutely. Uh, it's I can't I can't wait. I, I it's to me this is going to be so enjoyable. And you know, if no one else ever listens to this podcast, if I can have you talking about these things, and I've got that for the rest of my life, that would be an absolute treasure that I have and share with my family. So, so well, thank you for love- being willing to do this. Thank you, man. I, and I we really can share, and, and I should say this: you know, Lucy will have it. Your 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 kids will have it. It'd be great. Grandkids would be wonderful. I appreciate it, buddy. All right. Well, we'll see you. I'm not sure uh, what our schedule is going to be here for our listeners, but um, we will definitely be back soon with episode two of the two month jump start. All right. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Chuck. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye.